Welcome to the Organized Investor Pod Class with Jerry Goodman and Megan Hubbard from Tennessee Wealth Management. These pod classes are an inside look at how they work with clients to organize their investments, their retirements, and their affairs. After you've listened to a number of these pod classes, you yourself may decide that you would like to discuss your personal situation with them, and they would welcome that conversation. We suggest you subscribe so you'll receive reminders about the next class. And with the tools and information on our website, theorganizedinvestor.com, you can start getting organized right now. Hello, listeners. I'm Megan Hubbard, along with my dad, Jerry Goodman, and students. We're glad you're able to join us today. You can think of us as Megan and dad. I'm a former first grade teacher at Christian Academy of Knoxville, and dad said the first grade was where he learned how to tie shoestrings on a pink shoe on a piece of wood. Well, that's close. It actually was kindergarten, if it really matters at this point in time. And uh, if you're wondering about the the tie to hook to the piece of wood, the wood kept it from moving around so you could kind of get a hold of the strings and learn how to tie those babies. I'm just impressed that you remembered that it was pink. How could you forget a big pink shoe on a piece of wood? It was kind of (laughs) stuck in your brain forever. That's what they call a core memory. I'm glad that you've kept held on to that one. That's going to be a good one. Yes. Very useful. Well, I have a master's degree in curriculum and instruction, and dad has over 40 years of stories and experiences, as well as a massive collection of jokes, some of which are clean enough to tell here. There's a few. And by Um, the way, when you got that master's degree, did they not teach you on how to uh, instruct people on doing their shoestrings? Wasn't that part of your master's degree? No. Or I just have forgotten, but I don't remember any big pink wooden shoes. Okay. Well, anyway, we had them in kindergarten. And by the way, before we get started, I just got a Facebook post, a neighborhood Facebook post. Somebody's lost their dog. So for any of you out there who've seen it, here's here's what they said. Lost dog, blind in one eye, missing one leg, one ear, recently castrated, answers to the name of Lucky, in case any of you happen to see him out there. That's how you need to call him by, (laughs) is Lucky. Bless him. That doesn't sound very lucky to me. Sounds like Lucky's lucky to even be alive, considering... All this stuff has happened to him. Well, we mentioned this because for this discussion about your investments, let's just spend a moment and talk about not lucky the dog, but lucky us, okay? First, we think we're lucky to have a process that we honestly feel, honestly, truly feel may materially improve your long-term financial future based, of course, on what you're currently doing with that financial those financial investments. We are also lucky to have figured out a way to explain this and to be able to do these pod classes, as we call them. But more importantly, most importantly, you're lucky to have the opportunity knocking on your door in a nice, convenient way to learn about this, to hear to hear our words of wisdom that, that may literally affect the rest of your financial life. Well, and I'd also add that you're also lucky because the opportunity we're leading you to may have benefits that are financially totaling in the hundreds of thousands of dollars, depending, of course, on how your investments are currently being managed. For many people, what we're sharing is similar to a lottery ticket you didn't have to pay for. So you do have to invest some time to see if you have a winning number, but you'll also get a lot smarter in the process. 
And and when she says that, don't scoff at that last comment that she just made, okay? At least not until we're finished with this particular podcast to the end that you've listened to it all. Then you can scoff if you really want to. We don't think you will, but that's your option. So we're all lucky in this situation, but how do you respond to this is to this opportunity is really it's up to you and what you decide to do with all this information. Now, this is pod class number eight, but in pod classes four, five, and six, you know, we warned everybody about being that horse that was led to the water and, and never drank anything, or maybe the one that ignored opportunity knocking on the door but never would answer the door. Okay. Yeah. Knock, knock. Here we are. Actually, I have a really good story. Like, I'm just going to insert a little story here because. I always think about opportunities and this story related to one of my college roommates. Uh Oh, so it's a girl story, right? It is, but it almost could be like a Hallmark movie story. I don't know if anybody Uh. loves Hallmark movies, but like this, their story is a Hallmark movie. Um, So basically the story goes, she went to a restaurant downtown in downtown Knoxville. It was in this obscure little restaurant in um, the old city. And, she meets this guy there and he just is like head over heels for her. And she even, you know, came home that night and was telling us about him. And we were just like, who, what, who, this random stranger. She was like, yes, he was really cute and blah, 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 blah. Well, he apparently felt the same way about her. And like, obviously though, she didn't know this at the time. Like he said that he truly felt like she was like the person he was supposed to be with forever. And so he had missed this opportunity though, because he didn't get her name. He didn't get her phone number. He just remembered what she looked like and to be, I guess, kind of cheesy, just like how he felt about her. And so he started going back to this restaurant all the time, just hoping and praying that he was going to run into her again. So how long did he do that, by the way? I'm just curious. It was a couple of months. And yes, and she just kind of was like, talked about him that night. But you know, and I'm sure maybe she thought about him every once in a while again, but not to the level, I guess, that he was committed to going back to try to find her. So she just happens again, to show up at the same place. Well, guess who's there? He was there. And he did not let the opportunity pass by this time. He explained to her that he had been coming there. And um, she will admit she was like, it was a little creepy at first, but then I was like, no, this guy actually seems pretty normal. So she took a chance as well. And long story short, they are still married to this day. They never like spend another day, I think, apart without each other. And they have two kids and, you know, 20, gosh, that would have been like 25, 26 years ago. They are still married Um, and just the cutest, sweetest little couple. And then they've got such a great little story to tell. So all that to be said, the opportunity that we have knocking on your door may materially improve not only your long-term financial future, but that of your family. And we're doing our best to get you to answer it. The goal for all of these pod classes is to be not only informative and entertaining and kind of keep this somewhat lighthearted, but we also are going to raise our hand and pledge to tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth through all of these. Are you going to say, so help me God, dog, dog, God, dog. <laughs> <laughs> That's easy for you to say, but you, blah, so, blah, blah. yeah, well, yeah. Well, since, since Lucky's still missing, yeah, we'll say, so help me dog too. Now, and hopefully Lucky shows up pretty soon, but unfortunately, not everybody's going to be honest with you, This is, which makes it harder on those of us that are doing just that. So before we dazzle you with all of this other information on the podcast, let me just say, Megan has been a, a 
kind of nominated, if you will, for an Academy Award. She actually take a bow for her excellent video on our website titled The Organized Investor Video Workshop. Riveting title there. And this actually is a little more condensed, you know, not quite as inform much information in detail as we have on these pod classes, but very well done. And if you're into videos, take a few minutes and, and watch that. I think it would be good use of your time. Speaking of missed opportunities, I feel like Netflix is totally missing out by not calling me and asking me to be like a series on Netflix. But the, the, the Megan series. <laughs> Anyways, so for pod classes number four, five and six, we discussed organizing your affairs and how we can save you about a thousand dollars by working with a local estate planning attorney for a flat fee versus working with an attorney on your own. If that's a topic of interest, we encourage you to listen to those episodes. Now, in this series of pod classes, we're discussing organizing your investments, and we want to start off by burning a little something in your brain, okay? And we promise it's not going to be a painful kind of burn your brain. So let's just assume, though, that you have a million dollars invested in something. It doesn't really matter. And if you can get 1% more return per year, that's equivalent to $10,000 more per year, okay? 1% equals $10,000 on a million-dollar investment. That's pretty simple math. I used to teach first grade math and I, I think I'm following you. So okay. again, for $1 million of investments, you're saying that 1% more return per year equals $10,000 more per year. Yep. And as you would expect for that million dollars of investments, 2% more return per year would be $20,000 more per year, 3% more return per year, $30,000 more per year, 4% more return equals $40,000 more per year. I'd, and 5% would be 50,000 more per year? I think so. I, I think, yeah, I think you're right. So in the last pod class, which was number seven, we covered our goal of trying to, talking about improving your overall return for your portfolio by 2% a year. So as we just burned in your brain, again, for somebody with a million dollars of investments, a 2% improvement is equivalent to $20,000 per year. Or it's that's actually $400,000 if you extrapolate that out over a 20-year period. Now, this 2%, it, it may come from a variety of different things. It can be lower investment fees, maybe lower investment costs that are buried inside of some of those investments, as well as just getting a better return on those investments, better performance. And what, when we do this, we focus on the DSIP list from Wells Fargo Research that we're going to talk about in a minute. Now, if your portfolio just to kind of get this started off correctly. If it's double that, then you need to double the $400,000 amount. And if your portfolio is half that much, then just half the $400,000 amount to kind of put that in perspective for your own situation. Just to make sure that you know, you are on podcast number eight. And actually, if you've not listened to number seven yet, we would say it would probably be a good idea to start there. So you don't feel like you've walked into you know the middle of a movie and aren't exactly sure of all that's going on. For the sake of discussion, we're assuming a couple of things here, though. So first, we're assuming that you have a financial advisor. Second, that your financial advisor has you invested in some type of advisory account where you're probably being charged a fee. And based on the account size, that fee may be about maybe a quarter of a percentage point of more than we would normally charge our clients. So we're also going to assume that that advisory account is invested in, let's say, either mutual funds or exchange-traded funds, which are called ETFs, okay? One of those two, mutual funds or exchange-traded funds. And that means you're also being charged the internal cost of those investments 
And we're also assuming those investment returns are probably rather mediocre. That's just a guess, but we're probably correct on that. Now, that's a lot of assuming, isn't it? But be patient because what we're assuming is going to incorporate a whole lot of people and you may actually be in that group. So where we left off in the last pod class, we have um, explained that reducing the fees and the investment costs may actually provide as much as a 1% improvement in your overall performance and that another 1% or maybe even more may be possibly um, found by better returns from your investments. Now, keep in mind that for the fees and costs, either you can reduce those or you can't, depending again on how your investments are structured. It's a pretty black and white issue. So improving your investment performance, though, instead of just the fees and costs, the actual investment performance is not as simple as Megan's talking about. It's not so predictable, but it does have some huge opportunity, particularly if you've been getting rather mediocre returns from those investments. Now, instead of using mutual funds and exchange-traded funds in our advisory accounts, and we use them as well, we focus on higher quality companies, individual pure common stocks, that are primarily from the DSIP list, which we'll talk about that in a second, but that stands for Diversified Stock Income Plan. That's a really long name, which is why we refer to it as the DSIP list. And basically, it's a research list from Wells Fargo Investment Institute. Now, DSIP focuses on companies that appear to be fundamentally sound, which means that the companies are profitable and should continue that way. If any debt at all, it will be investment-grade debt, which means that the company actually has a higher credit quality and a lower risk of default. These companies have the potential to pay an increasing dividend, which is a lot different than just a company that's paying the highest calculated yield. They have a history of paying dividends for at least five years, and the dividend is well covered by the cash flow of the company, which means it's a much lower risk of ever having to be reduced. They also have the potential for upside appreciation, which is really one of the main reasons for owning one of these these types of companies to begin with. So the DSEP list is the flagship research list from Wells Fargo, and the outstanding performance is shown on pages 14 and 15 of the reference guide located on the investments page of our website. Now, since the inception of the DSIP list that dates back to November of 1993 through the end of 2022, the return has been 12% per year versus the S&P 500 index that had a return of 9.6% per year over the same time period. Now, again, that was a 12% return from the DSIP list versus a 9.6% return from the S&P 500 index. This is 25% better return than the S&P index, and the DSIP list actually accomplishes that with about 10% less volatility. Now, before we go any further, we want to put this 29-year track record of that 12% per year. Let's put this in context. As of November 2023, there were a total of about 73 stocks on the DSIP list, and the average current dividend yield was around 2.4%, just to put that in your mind. Now, if you assume that that current dividend yield of 2.4%, if you assume that was like at that level for the entire 29-year period, then the 12% annual return that, that it's been able to make, let's say 2.4% of that would be from the dividend income itself. The other 9.6% or so would be from price appreciation. And to be clear, this is just a hypothetical example to explain the concept. 
But we want you to understand what the appreciation is because there are very sound companies that are growing their profits each year and thus have the ability to increase their dividends. That growing income, which allows for a growing dividend, is what makes the companies on the DCIP list so attractive to investors and why their price appreciation has been so good. And as you might expect, the stocks on the DCIP list are going to be mature companies, well-established companies, and they're going to have the products and services that most people, they don't need, not only know about them, but they use them as well. Now, page 16 on what we refer to as our Excel from Hell reference guide, because it actually is an Excel spreadsheet that it comes from. It's on the investments page of our website. It'll be dated November 2023. And, and you'll find this to be a great summary you should take a look at. Now, again, on page 16 of this summary, there's a list of 13 companies from the DSIP list, along with the 20-year track record of how many consecutive dividends they've had for each one. So it shows the consecutive years of dividend increases. And, and Megan, how about go through the list just so that everybody can get a feel for who these companies are, what they are, and what makes up the DSIP list? Absolutely. So, you know, just bear with me as I read through these because I am reading these off of a list and we're looking at pretty impressive numbers here. So number one, McDonald's, 46 consecutive annual dividend increases. Number two, Automatic data processing, 47 consecutive dividend increases. Number three, Aflac, Aflac. 40 consecutive years. I knew when I read the word Aflac, you were going to do that. Aflac. Number four, Johnson & Johnson, 60 consecutive years. Number five, Honeywell, 12 years. Number six, Cisco Systems, 11 years. Number seven, Colgate-Palmolive, 60 years. Number eight, Lowe's, 61 Lowe's. years. Sorry. Number nine, Home Depot, 13 years. Number 10, Emerson Electric, 66 years. Wow. Number 11, WW Granger, 51 years. Number 12, Clorox, 46 years. And number 13, Costco, and this one might surprise you, one year. Now, that surprise is because in recent years, Costco has paid an unusually large dividend that is great for shareholders, even though it messes up their record of consecutive annual increases. Affleck. Anyway, and again, this is on page 16 of the reference guide, and it's a great illustration of why the performance of the DSIP list has been so good. These are world-class companies. They're very attractive to investors. And so being selective and focusing on these types of companies may be a much, much better strategy than some shotgun approach of owning three or 4,000 stocks spread over you know, 15 or 20 different mutual funds all over the world. Hopefully you're enjoying this Organized Investor Pod class with Megan Hubbard, the Dean of our College of Knowledge, and Jerry Goodman, her CFP dad. Check out our class notes to find out how to reach us and subscribe to our pod classes to get started. So as you take a moment and digest the fact that the DSIP list has a 12% return over that 29-year period, I would ask that you ponder if it has outperformed the S&P 500 index by 25% over that same time frame. Is there a chance that the DSIP list would also outperform whatever investment approach you've been using? And if you don't even know what your investment performance has been, do you think that just maybe that would be a valuable piece of information and something you might want to try to figure out? Just a little, wouldn't it? So these types of advisory accounts will usually provide performance reports to you periodically, which will tell you kind of what the return, rate of returns have been over various periods of time. But if you really don't know what the, the performance has been, are Megan and I willing to help you find this out 
sure, we'll be happy to give it a try, but it, we'll have a discussion with you, and we'll probably need to look at some of your statements or some of your information to see if we can kind of un- unwind that or decode exactly what the returns have been. So think about that. And let's look at the DCIPLIS performance another way. On page 17 of the reference guide on our website, there are comparisons of the DCIPLIS to the S&P 500 index over one year, three year, five, and also 10 year rolling periods of time. Now, this is equally impressive performance that is more informative when you view the actual report. But here's one example of the 10 rolling year comparison. Since 1993 through September 30th of 2022, there have been a total of 227 10-year rolling periods of time. And that's kind of a mouthful. So let's explain exactly what does that mean? It means that one of those 227 10-year rolling periods would end on, let's say, September 30th, 2022. And another one of those 10-year periods would end, say, the month before in August of that same year. And one would end the month before that in July. And then the next one, the month before that in June and so forth. So from November 1993 to the end of September 2022, there were 227 of these 10-year rolling periods of time. And the DCIP list basically outperformed the S&P index 93% of all of those 10-year periods. And for those same 227 10-year periods of time, the DCIP list also had positive performance in 100% of them compared to the S&P 500, which had positive returns in less than 90% of them. So DCIP has an impressive track record. And this rolling performance summary is on page 17 of the Excel from Hell research report as of November 2023, which can also be viewed on the investments page of our website. You know, and we're lucky also in another way because we get to brag about the performance of the numbers of this. DCEP research list. Because guess what, folks? It's not even our list. We manage millions and millions of dollars for clients using this list. We have lots of happy campers because of this. But the DCEP list itself is a product of the Wells Fargo Investment Institute. And the fact, again, that we've been using this for so many years means our clients have been experiencing these types of excellent returns, which makes them very, very, again, happy campers. You know, it's how we're able to also materially improve the financial lives of many of these same clients. Now, why we're sharing this approach with you is because it's very likely, highly likely, that this is a better approach than whatever you're currently using, period. Now, regardless of what you may say or do, there's always going to be a few people out there that are either not going to believe that the 12% return is valid, or they simply don't believe the numbers are actually that good. Now, for the second point, Uh, the 12% return not being that great. I will say that as someone who is paid to manage money professionally, this is a very impressive track record. So only a very small percentage of mutual funds have outperformed the S&P 500 index over long periods of time. And even smaller percentages have exceeded it by 25% per year, like the DCIP list. And there's an even smaller percentage still that have exceeded it by 25% with less volatility than the DCIP list. And we will say this, if we said this once, we've already said it 10 times in these pod classes, that if you have a better investment approach than this, with less volatility than what we're talking about, we would love to hear about it. And if you don't know of something with a better return with less volatility, think about this. Wouldn't that mean that your current investment strategy is also not better? It's not meant to be a trick question. But if your investment approach is not better than what we are explaining, then wouldn't it have to be worse? I mean, it's got to be one or the other, right? 
And as, again, as we said many times, if you don't know what your performance has been, we're available to try to help you to whatever extent is possible. Look at your information. We'll try to help you determine what, what it has been. So on the second point, we understand why people can be suspicious about claims that sound too good to be true. However, before you discount these returns as being not possible, remember a couple of things. Just because most mutual funds don't outperform the S&P 500 index over a long period of time doesn't mean it's not possible. I mean, it's kind of strange, too, because the S&P 500 index is really just an unmanaged index. It has the 500 largest companies in the U.S. in it. And there's really nothing magical about that. The, the fact that most mutual funds underperform that S&P index is really kind of surprising if you think about it. However, just because a mutual fund or even a strategy like this DSIP list that we use, if it does outperform, doesn't mean it's not true, folks. It, it, it really is very, very possible. Uh, and it's been going on for right at 30 years now with DSIP. And you know what? Trying to explain things in a world of misinformation is exactly why we document and validate the performance of the DSIP list specifically and dividend growing companies in general. It's why we refer you to our 38-page reference guide on our website. So near the bottom of the investments page of our website is a research report from Nuveen titled Why Dividend Growth based on Ned Davis Research. This piece shows similar outperformance of stocks that also increased their dividends going all the way back to 1972. It's an impressive report, but it's too complicated to explain in our pod class. So we would encourage you to take a look at it when you have a chance. And, and next, let's say if you consider data from FactSet, which is a huge information, financial information company, it shows the performance of dividend growing stocks for a 23-year period. So from January 1st, 2000 through June 30th of 2023, which is basically 23 and a half years, the stocks in the S&P index that have been growing their dividends were up 853% during that time frame, while the overall stocks and just the, the, the overall S&P index were up only 305%. So again, 853 for the dividend growers, 305% for the S&P index collectively. So if you compare that on an annual basis, the dividend-growing stocks are up about 10% per year. The S&P stocks overall are up about 6.5% a year. It's a big difference. And this covers a 23-year period, which is a lot of outperformance over a very long period of time. And like, as we talked about the decibel list a second ago, not only has this performance off, off of this fact set information seen that the dividend performance has not only been far better than the index, but the volatility has also been significantly less than the S&P index. So again, to prove our point, we've explained the annualized performance of the DSIP list going back 30 years, the rolling performance numbers of the DSIP list, the Nuveen article that goes back over 50 years, and the performance information from FactSet going back 23 and a half years. Now, if this is the first time anyone has ever explained the long-term performance of stocks with a history of raising their dividends to you, then sure, you may be a bit skeptical, but you're not alone. So Megan, have you ever known me to be just a wee bit stubborn? Uh, we? I mean, <laughs> I've, lo I've looked up stubborn in the dictionary before, and did you know that your picture is right next to it? No. It well, I've, I've heard that, but I never actually had the courage to go look. Because you're too so stubborn. Well, I know. And, you know, and I guess I'm not proud of being stubborn, but I am. 
And I mentioned this because it literally took me like two years to finally acknowledge the DSIP list for what it is. People were saying, this is a great list. You need to look at it. And I'm going, no, 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 no. And I just kept kind of blowing it off. But I finally admitted this. And this the DSIP list is basically a list that, one, has better performance than most everything in the financial arena. And it's been reported by Wells Fargo Research every quarter going all the way back to 1993. This is a list where the stocks are more economical to manage because they're all they're more transparent and they're more tax efficient than, say, mutual funds. And the list has also been less volatile than just the overall market. Now, considering everything we've just explained that Megan went through and what I've talked about here as well, if you actually feel that the performance is either not that great or, you know, it just really didn't happen, then maybe this really isn't the right approach for you. Maybe you should really kind of, you know, focus on something else, you know, as far as an alternative for your investments. So in a later pod class, we're actually going to explain some of the decision-making processes along with an in-depth review of page seven of the reference guide. And it will cover the benefits of being selective with your investing by comparing the attributes of the S&P 500, for example, to a select group of stocks from the DSIP list. Um, It's a reminder that being invested in a large group of mutual funds or exchange-traded funds actually means you own virtually every stock on the planet. It means you basically own, yeah, the good ones, but you also own the bad ones. I mean, some of these, they're losing money. Some of them are trading above their projected price target, which means the analysts think they're going to go down in price instead of up. Some of these companies are poorly rated by those analysts, you know, or maybe not paying a dividend. There's any number of other things that, that can be kind of unattractive about those. I mean, generally speaking, owning that many investments means you've gone from what people typically call diversification well, you've moved over into the land of what we call diversification. That's our own dun, little dun, term. Dun. Yeah. I don't think we created that term. We probably stole it from somebody, but we're going to use it. It's very ominous. Yes. Diversification. So, so we have two examples, actually, of diversification. And we're explaining this because there are billions and billions and billions and billions. I won't keep going, but billions of dollars invested in these two examples in this country. And there's a good chance that some of that money belongs to you. So the first example of diversification is actually on pages 24 and 25 in the reference guide. This is a mutual fund advisory account, and most every investment firm has a version of this type of account. This particular one we're using as an example is it's called FundSource. And you may be investing in something very similarly as far as a strategy, and it would probably have a different name, maybe if it's at a different firm, you know, with your advisor, and maybe it's gotten similar returns. I don't know. But FundSource will usually have about 20 different mutual funds within it, and it also has a hefty internal cost of 0.78% per year. So what does that mean? It means a million dollars invested in this model has an internal cost of $7,800 per year which, as we like to do, you multiply that out over 20 years, that's equivalent to $156,000 in internal fees over a 20-year period. It's a lot of money. Now, in terms of performance, remember we burned this into your brain a second ago that for a million-dollar portfolio, 1% more return equals $10,000 more per year. Remember that? Do you want me to keep going with those numbers? No, we can stop. We can stop at 10,000, I think. (laughs) I just like to make sure everybody understands. Well, I won't bore you with those numbers again, but fund source performance is actually on page 25. And since its inception date of January 1st, 1999, the return has been 5.7% per year. Yeah. Yeah. I know. Kind of, kind of mediocre. 
Exactly. The DSIP-less performance is on page 14. And since its inception date of November 30th, 1993, so before 1999, the return has been 12% per year. Now, again, the long-term annual return of the mutual fund advisory program was 5.7%. And the long-term annual return of the DSIP list was 12%, which is 6.3% more per year with the DSIP list. Now, because we like to compare data over the longest periods of time possible, what we're doing here, we're comparing the returns from the mutual fund model going back about 24 years and the DSIP list going back about 30 years. Okay, this is the only this is the only available information that we have. And granted, these are different starting dates for these two very long periods of time. But if you just take that 6.3% difference per year as a guide, just as, as a windsock, if you will, that's equivalent to $63,000 per year for that million-dollar portfolio. And if you use that same 6.3% difference as a guide over a 20-year period, that's equivalent to $1,260,000 of, of improvement for that, that same $1 million portfolio that we keep talking about. That's a lot of money. That's a huge chunk of change, not something just to ignore, for sure. A mega chunk of change, actually. Yes. So the real takeaway from all of this is there are very significant differences in the returns of these two options. And in fact, the DSIP list has more than double the return of the fund source model. Now, in the second example of just how bad diversification can be is another type of an advisory account that's invested in exchange-traded funds. And we usually refer to those, again, as ETFs. And, and as we said kind of about the mutual fund program, most every investment firm is going to have some version of this ETF type of an account. Now, this one is called allocation advisors, and you may be invested in something very similar to this. Maybe it has a different name with your based on your particular advisor and where they, are, they work, but it may also have similar rates of return uh, is what we've seen. So the ETF model performance is actually on pages 28 through 30 of the reference guide. And since its inception date of October 1st of 2001, the return has been 7.7% per year. The DSIP list performance, again, still on page 14. And since its inception date of November 30th, 1993, the return has still been 12% per year. So again, the long-term annual return of the ETF model portfolio at 7.7% and the long-term annual return of the DSIP list was 12%, which is 4.3% more per year. And like we just said a moment ago, we want to use data over the longest time periods available. So in this case, we're comparing the returns of that ETF model going back 22 years, and we're comparing that to the DSIP list going back about 29 years. Now, granted, these are two different starting points, but again, if you use that 4.3% difference as a guide, it's equivalent to $43,000 per year for a million-dollar portfolio, okay? And if you extrapolate that out over 20 years, that $43,000 gets up to around $860,000 of improvement for the DSIP list versus this ETF model that we just mentioned. And for mutual fund examples, the ETF example and even the DSIP list, past performance doesn't guarantee future results, right? I mean, we obviously have to say that, but just from a historical perspective, 
you would have been far better off with a strategy based on the DCIP list rather than the mutual fund or the ETF approach. And in fact, these are the types of opportunities you can actually drive a truck through and why we feel you're lucky to be listening to this explanation that somebody else is probably not going to share with you. Now, if you're invested, say, a similar approach as the mutual fund model or the ETF model with the same type of underperformance that, that those two have, you're that person that we've been referring to that may be able to materially improve your long-term financial future. You may actually be that person with the winning lottery number, okay, lottery ticket number, because your overall performance has been, may potentially be higher than even the 2% goal that we just mentioned initially. Now, if you happen to be invested in something similar with a better return than what we're showing you here, congratulations. You know, we want to hear about that. But the examples we're sharing here are similar to what we usually see when people send us their information to review. So will the DCIP list always be a better strategy? Who knows? But we do know which one we'll be suggesting to our clients. We do know what your financial advisor is recommending because you're already invested in it. And in this particular pod class, we've covered a lot of information, covered a lot of numbers. And from what we've already shared, you may already realize that our process might materially improve your financial future. But again, that depends, of course, on your current situation. This is all part of that learning curve, part of that second opinion that maybe you've never gotten. And the sooner we explain this, the sooner you're going to understand it. And then the sooner you may be able to benefit from all of this. So we encourage you to continue to listen, continue to learn, because much we have much more to share with you about this topic of organizing your investments. I would also add that we would ask you to keep a lookout for the lost dog named Lucky we mentioned oh. earlier. You just never know when he might be in your Surface. neighborhood. I'd, I'd say you could probably figure out that that's Lucky pretty quickly based on all the things he's got going on. Particularly the one missing, missing leg. Mm, exactly. So to be respectful of your time, as well as ours, we do ask that you listen to the entire series of pod classes on organizing your investments to understand our approach and to educate yourself. At that point, if you're ready for a chat, we can arrange a time and see if working together might be a good fit. In the interim, feel free to contact us with any questions you have. And as always, thanks for listening and class is dismissed. The information covered and posted represents the views and opinions of the guest and does not necessarily represent the views or opinions of the organized investor or TN Wealth Management. The content has been made available for informational and educational purposes only and is not intended to be a substitute for professional investing advice. Opinions expressed are subject to change without notice and are not intended as investment advice or solicitation for the purchase or sale of any security. Always seek the advice of your financial advisor or other qualified financial service provider with any questions you may have regarding your investment planning or before making any investment decision. And please consult legal or tax professionals for specific information regarding your individual situation. The organized investor cannot accept trade or account instructions on or through this platform. Please contact us directly at contact us at tnwealthmanagement.com or 865-415-2060 to place a trader for trade or account-related questions. Brokerage and advisory services are provided by TN Wealth Management through Prospera Financial Services, Inc., member FINRA SIPC. The organized investor is a brand name operated by TN Wealth Management for educational platform purposes.